Jeff. I'm Kia. And I'm Craig. And, and we, we just watched Starry Eyes. Welcome to Big Taters. My name is Sarah. Can I start you guys off with an order of our Freedom Tots? We got all these people, all our friends. They're just sitting around trying to figure out what to do, trying to figure out how to make something. I thought you were avoiding me. Why would you think that? Because I stole your role. Come on, you lady. I work so hard. Every week it's a new class, a new audition. Hopefully you'll see something in me. I know I'd be great for this. We'll be in touch. I think you should give us the rundown of what Starry Eyes is or was. Okay. Um, and also, uh, we should point out maybe that this was a viewer request. Mm -hmm. um, this, this is something uh, someone on Twitter recommended us take a look at. So that's, that's why we picked it out of the hat. And it's streaming on Netflix, so readily available if you want to take a look at Starry Eyes. Correct. Starry Eyes is the tale of a young lady named Sarah. And she's an actress, and she lives with her other actress friends. Um, and she also works at something called Taters, which is like a knockoff Hooters. Um, and she... Um, what city does this take place in, mm, Kia? Don't you think that's important? I'm guessing it takes place in L.A. Los Angeles, the city of angels, <laughs> where dreams go to die <laughs> and be born. Hell, It takes place in L.A., and she's desperate to become an actress, and it kind of, the beginning of the film, she goes on this audition, and um, it's kind of a creepy audition. There's like a man and a woman, and it just, you can tell something's kind of weird. And she auditions, and it doesn't go very well. And um, so then she goes into the bathroom and kind of has like this crazy fit where she tears out her hair. She suffers from this disorder that I can't pronounce where she tears out her hair. And, um, and it's pretty rough. To watch that, those sequences, from what I remember, like we, yeah. we were all kind of like, oh, like yeah. when she was freaking out and yelling, meltdown in the bathroom. Yeah, and um, one of the people who she auditioned for, uh, the lady, is a lady and a man. The lady, um, um, is in the bathroom with her. She's a casting director. She's in the bathroom with her. And when the girl comes out of the stall, she's like, 
she basically just is impressed by this girl's breakdown and she's like, come back and we want you to audition for us again and do what you just did. We want you to have your crazy episode in, in front of us. Yeah, that's what they're looking for for some reason. Right. Yeah. So she um, goes back and she does that. Um, she tears out her hair in front of them and that's it. They don't necessarily hire her or anything like that. That's, you know, that's it. Um, so she does get a call back and... Is this is this correct? Should I be going through all this? Well, should we do like a brief synopsis first? And then yeah, we'll yeah. This is kind of like a very brief. Let's let's kind of get to the meat of it, and then we'll okay. talk about it. So I guess then the meat of it is like an actress desperately become an actress. She tries out for this creepy production company. Um, at some point through callbacks, she um she does something with the producer. To get a role for the movie, and that in turn causes her to go through this transformation that co- where she kills her friends. That you asked for a synopsis. That's a synopsis. Well, Spoiler spoilers. Synopsis. <laughs> 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 and then she kills everyone. The end. <laughs> so the synopsis is just desperate to become an actress. So and the thing she goes through. I can't give a brief tonight. I'm sorry. No, it's right? okay. No? no, like yeah. So, so this this lady is is working in a terrible job, day job, to make ends meet. You know, very very like dehumanizing. You know, like you said, Hooters esque type yeah. waitressing, um, called taters. Yeah. So sort of the stereotypical like L A story of like you know girl moves to L A to become an actress right. and she's working as a waitress during the day and yeah. going on auditions in her spare time and. and Clearly can't handle rejection, which you think she'd be able to yeah. as an actress. But like we only see her go on one audition, and she freaks out. Right. <laughs> so I mean, right. we don't really get the context of how many times she's been rejected, or I mean, I can only assume it's happened for a couple years or right. however long she's been out in Los Angeles because she's still struggling and hasn't really landed anything big. Um, her roommates and friends and hanger-ons are all like actresses or you know wannabe filmmakers and stuff like that there's rumors or like there's speculation within the group that one kid that's going to make a movie you know like some of the other girlfriends are going to actually be in the movie and she's kind of being left aside the main protagonist is kind of being like left out of this little you know hipster movie experience what so there's animosity with the protagonist which i've already forgotten her name and her group Sarah. of friends. So what's her name? Sarah. Sarah. So Sarah kind of resents her friends a little bit, I feel like. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's some that are, like, maybe traditionally prettier than her, or... Well, there's, there's one girl, yeah. yeah, that... I was gonna say, there's one friend who's just, like, just outright mean. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And basically kind of picking at her, like, why are you even trying anymore? It's yeah. kind of like the, the vibe we were getting a little yeah. bit, right? talking down to her and yeah. everything, yeah. Yeah, um... So when, when she does get this opportunity, when, when a producer seems to be genuinely interested, it's kind of like a question of how far is she willing to go to land, you know, this somewhat big gig or whatever. Because the production company is well known, even though it's maybe not the top production company in the world. It's like well known for making horror movies, right? right. Or am I mistaken? I think, it's, I think it was well known and they had a slump. Yeah. But now they're kind they're of like coming, coming, on the, back. coming back. Yeah. Right. So uh, it becomes... It, it's kind of a... For a while, the movie seems to be about how far is this person willing to go yeah. to become a big star. And then it, it, the last act takes up a huge shift where it becomes yeah. a traditional horror movie. Because I think that's why getting into like review stuff, mm-hmm. I'll just I'll jump in. Like What I was frustrated with, 
the first maybe 45 minutes, yeah. I was like, this isn't a horror movie. This is just like <laughs> an expose on how hard it is to be an actress in Hollywood. Yeah. You, know, you know what I mean? And it's maybe psychological thriller territory because she's so unhinged and, you know, freaks out so easily and she clearly hates people yeah. and, you know, like there's a lot of venom. It's almost like American Psycho-esque in some right. ways how she views other people. And um, so I was frustrated with it. But then there's a turn that really hooked me and, and got me a lot more into it. Like, the last right. act of this movie, yeah. I thought was a lot of fun. Like, I was really into it. And I understand why people recommend this movie and enjoy it if you're willing to go through the gauntlet of the first, like, the setup. Because the setup, I think, does pay off. I think it is important yeah. to see all that stuff, to, to, to understand the last act, you know. Yeah, it seems like... The setup does seem like it takes a while, but it's once you see the payoff, it actually... It's, like, justified, you know? It's, like, it's, yeah. you know... Well, I mean, thought, like, early on when she goes back for the second audition, and it... <laughs> <laughs> Craig may or may not be dying. <laughs> Speaking of drama queens... <laughs> Sorry, I, I, like, was choking on co- uh, coffee, and I had to, like... I was like, at first I was like, I can hide this. I was like, I totally won't, so I'll just make a big production out of it. So, I'm sorry. Um, She goes back on the second audition, and they ask her to take her clothes off. And when she's doing that, there's, like, um, the scene starts flashing. It goes, like, really bright lights. And I don't know how to describe it other than it's flashing, you know. And um, one of the things that flashes, I think it's her covered in blood or something like that. So you definitely get early on that something's amiss. But yeah. it doesn't really take off until... It goes from, like, 0 to 10 the last 30, 40 minutes, maybe. Yeah. Um, I, I like the setup. It it does, wasn't necessarily a horror that much, but it was definitely creepy. Yeah. It um. So I think when we were watching it, I think I liked it more than Jeff and Greg did. The beginning. I think I liked the beginning. I, I was more. openly frustrated with yeah. the, the first 30 minutes. I yeah. was just like, well, this is, I, I you know, I, yeah. I don't want to watch Melrose Place mixed <laughs> with like, uh, you know what I mean? Like like cute people or whatever. But, it bugged me for a while, but. But it was kind of atmospheric more so than like a typical, it was definitely atmospheric yeah. and kind of quirky and. No, it's undeniable that there's talent yeah. involved in this movie. Like, I, I don't mean to make it sound like it's terrible, like the first 30 minutes are bad. They're just not what I. I came in with, you know, like, we're going to watch a horror movie. It's going to be crazy, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and then, like, it wasn't what I expected. So it's my own baggage, I admit, that's kind of, you know, kind of painted my view a little bit. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I remember at one point you're like, what? I thought this was a horror movie. <laughs> yeah, no, it was hard not to, like, I wanted to be, you know, we were watching it at my place, so it was, it, you know, it was kind of easier to, for me to kind of chime in sometimes yeah. when I probably should have been shutting up and just letting it play out. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's a. In the, in the protagonist, it's kind of like again a little bit like American Psycho style, mm-hmm. where maybe you're not supposed to like the protagonist, mm-hmm. you know, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it can be a frustrating experience sometimes to watch a movie about a protagonist that you don't necessarily like or root for. Because yeah. I didn't really sympathize with her that much. I thought she was being a baby, and yeah. you know, was unhinged in ways that were really unnecessary for an adult person walking around living, you know. Mm-hmm. So like, when things went bad for her at a certain point. I didn't really feel the sympathy that I think maybe traditionally you're supposed to feel for a character, but I think that's by design. I don't, I don't yeah. think that they wanted us to feel bad when, you know, because there's a certain turn in this movie where 
things look really bleak for her, yeah. like in a very negative, like you know, death door type of situation. That I didn't really, I was like, eh, like let's do this, like let's mm-hmm. see it happen. You know what I mean? I was just kind of like wanting to see how where it was going to go. I wasn't worried about her, you know. Yeah. yeah, she like literally sells her soul for fame. Yeah, that's a great yeah. So, like, is, well, should we get to that part then? The yeah. second half where she does. So yeah, I think yeah. let's expand it. We're ex- officially expanding it into spoiler territory. So if you have any agenda to watch this movie, <laughs> well, I'm just saying like we're going to get into the the, <laughs> the nitty gritty and, and really dissect this movie a little bit. So if, if you haven't seen it yet, um, maybe check it out if you want to be fully submerged in our wonderful conversation. And we're back. <laughs> <laughs> I should put a space in there with like waiting music. We'll wait for you. We'll turn it off. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Like Jeopardy or something. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Yeah. So she goes to that sec. Is it no? Like the third this audition the third, where she, yeah, yeah, where she meets the the producer and the producer's a really creepy dude. And yeah, kind of sc- scuzzier older guy, right? Yeah. 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 And he's basically like doing the casting couch thing of like, if you want to be in this movie, you gotta get on me. You know, yeah. like that. And, and again, just to slow down, like when I was getting like, ah, like when I was like getting up annoyed with this movie, I was like, mm-hmm. seriously, the most obvious thing that's going to happen happens. Like he's going to like be this creepy guy that mm-hmm. hits on her. And like I, I was getting frustrated with like, because those are, again, very traditional L.A. story beats, you know, right. of like a downtrodden actress, you know. So I was like, ah, seriously, like, because at first he presented himself as like a sweet old man, kind yeah. of. So I, I was like, this is kind of interesting. This is different, you know. And then, but then, of course, he was like, you know, suck on it. You know what I mean? Like, it becomes that type of situation, you know. And uh, at first, that annoyed me. But then, again, the payoff is more than enough to for me yeah. to validate those steps, you yeah. know, leading into it. So continue, guys. I'm sorry. Yeah, I guess she... At first, she's just like... I am not putting your old man balls Yeah, in she my rejects mouth. The, this not... notion at first. <laughs> yeah, because well, she, yeah, she, she sees him, the first time she sees him, he tells her the whole, you know, so many people in the world talk about what they want to do. They don't actually do it. Yeah. Um, so he gives her that whole spiel. And then when he tries to hit on her, she leaves and goes home. And then she talks to, she hangs out with her friends and she talks to one of her friends named Danny. And that's the one that is doing the project that... He's like uh, he's like making a film. He's making his own independent yeah. film. Yeah, he talks to her, and she he he basically says the, the same thing. This producer tells her, you know, screw it, we should just do it. I want you as my leading lady. Let's we're done talking about it. Let's just do it. Yeah. And so I guess that kind of gets her geared up or whatever, and then she goes back to the producer again, and then commences. Well, no, before she goes back to the producer, she sees the dude that the, the her friend that was making the movie. Who convinced her like, no, you're better than that. Yeah. Be in my movie. He sees her like kissing the mean girl. Yeah. And she yeah. like mm. gets all pissed and so like, that's... I thought he liked me. And so then she goes back and she's like, so then that forget really it. I want to be famous. That's like Whip the last out. little okay. nudge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. You're right though. Okay. Like that speech yeah. is something that makes her start to really reconsider it. Yeah, and then yeah, like, yeah, that, that right. pushes her over. Yeah. yeah. So then what happens when she goes back to the producer? D- tell us, K- Kia, what, what does happen? <laughs> what happens? She takes his old. <laughs> she performs a sexual favor for him. Yes, oh. it's, I don't think it, I don't. I don't remember being graphic, but it's obvious that that's what she's. Yeah, it's, that's what it's she's yeah, doing. yeah. It's, it's there's no question that she. 
Yeah, yeah. she does that. Like, slobs the knob. Yeah, and he's, he's making like the creepiest face possible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, does anything play out during that scene? Like, do we see anything evil going on, or is it just them? Don't you see making... like the people in the black masks and stuff come out? Or, or, I think I feel like that does happen movie. a little okay. bit. Yeah, there's kind of it's kind of a uh, what do you call it? What's that Tom Cruise, Stanley Kubrick movie? Oh, yeah. Eyes yeah. Wide Shut. Wide Shut. Yeah. It's kind of an Eyes Wide Shut situation where it becomes kind of uh, uh, theatrical almost. Mm-hmm. Like these people. Yeah. It, it's like... It's like a cult or yeah, something. There's like, yeah, it's obvious there's some kind of cultish connotation to this, this studio. You know yeah. what I mean? Because all the people involved have kind of like... Uh, Again, kind of stereotypical, like, satanic worshiper, mm-hmm. you know, uh, telltale signs, you know what I mean? Like, they're wearing robes, and like you said, they come out in masks, and, you know... Yeah. I don't remember, like, pentagrams and things like that, but there yeah. might be that iconography. I've kind there of forgotten. There was, um, when she, in that earlier flashing scene where she's auditioning and disrobing, apparently yeah. one of the flashes is of the, the lady she's auditioning for wearing a pentagram necklace yeah. or something. Uh, but, yeah. Um, it wasn't like, focused on, it's just something I'm not sure. <laughs> just like the girl at the gas station, but that's... There's a girl at the gas station wearing a pentagram necklace. Yeah, when I was like checking out, this is completely off subject, but I was I went to get water on the way here at the gas station. This the girl working that had a pentagram necklace on, and it just made me think of Tenacious D. Where he's like, dude, she's into Satan. Dude, you're totally into Satan. I know. I don't know. Sorry. Anyway, have a I nice digress. day. You don't yeah. really mean that. Yeah. Um, it reminded me a little bit, by the way, just again slowing down, like. Um, the way this cult is in this film, you know, like the studio that also is some sort of satanic worshiping cult, um, they remind me a little bit of like the people in Rosemary's Baby. Mm-hmm. If you're familiar with Rosemary's Baby, like the Satan worshippers, spoiler, Rosemary's Baby, <laughs> there are Satan worshippers in it. Um, they're very mundane looking. It's like old people and like mm-hmm. average looking people. Like they're not the people that you stereotypically would think. Oh, that's a Satan worshiper because you 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 know in our mind's eye we think of goth people and yeah. like you know maybe like you know edgy people and stuff uh-huh. like that. But in Rosemary's Baby, they kind of they they give you a, an eye view of the fact that like there would probably be a lot of people that would be in the closet about being a Satan worshiper if it was right. a real thing where they could actually call down Satan and whatnot. Mm-hmm. They probably would not be on Front Street about it. They would be yeah. like you know living you know a little bit under the curtain, call behind up the curtain rather. Satan. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Unbelievable. <laughs> Good call. Um, but uh, that kind of, it reminded me of that a little bit. Because, like, these people, they're not very elegant or, like, cool or anything like that. They're kind of schlumpy and, like, you, like we mentioned with the producer, like, they're older and kind of, like, the casting director, she's kind of strange. You remember the, the one yeah. guy casting director, how strange oh, yeah. we thought he was? Yeah. Like, there was something off about him, you know? Yeah, he was like, weird. Did he never <laughs> speak? There's something about him that you pointed out. After the movie, I don't remember, but I don't know if he ever even said anything. No, he talks a lot in the beginning, right? Oh, he, yeah, he was in the first... beginning, but then yeah. we never yeah. seen him. And then we, that's what I was pointing out. It's like he seemed yeah. like this weirdly strange, eccentric character, and then they dropped him for mm-hmm. some reason. Um, but no, I, I think that that was deliberately cast that way to have people that looked a little bit non traditional. You know what right. I mean? They did not look like normal Hollywood actors that were playing the cult members mm-hmm. in the cast, you know, the people that worked at the studio. I feel yeah. like they were all askew a little bit from the traditional, you know, pretty people we were used to seeing in uh, Hollywood movies. Yeah. Yeah. Go on, guys. I didn't mean to. My apologies. So then after she does that with the producer, then she starts to. She starts to just. Dis- to display like even more crazy behavior and she starts to like physically change like she wakes up with like bad case of herpes what I described as herpes 
Because there's like sores around the mouth. There's yeah, really gross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And her hair and starts falling out. And hair starts, and she, she starts she, getting just more. I mean, she's already already been a little bit off, but she starts to get a little bit more off and just yeah, just like physically, she she starts looking like almost like a zombie, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, well, after we finish this synopsis, I'll. It reminded me of a of a TV show, but anyway, go on. Well, it, I was gonna say, you know, not to just automatically compare it to something else, but it reminded me of the Fly a little bit. Like oh, her deterioration yeah. is similar to Brundlefly in like mm-hmm. the Cronenberg '80s Fly, mm-hmm. where Jeff Goldblum's character, you know, is like this very physically fit man, and then as it goes, it's almost like allegory for aging or something or having some kind yeah. of disease that robs you of your physicality. I mean, that's kind of what she goes through a little bit. She starts to fall apart. I mean, doesn't she lose fingernails and stuff she like that? Like, yeah. You know, yeah. Actually, I can go ahead and tell you what I was thinking because, like, it doesn't really apply to the rest of the movie, but, like, <clears throat> you know that show, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Sure. There was an episode called The Vacant Lot. And it kind of reminded me of that, where, like, in the episode, this girl, like, she's, like, the nice girl at school, and she's, she really likes, like, the popular boy, you know? Yeah. And, uh, but she's sort of, like, a nerdy outcast, and, uh, she's walking home from school one day, she goes to this vacant lot, but there's, like, this tent set up, and so she goes to the tent to see what's up, and it's, like, this little shop that someone set up, and there's a lady, she's got a veil over her face, and, uh, she sees this beautiful dress, and, uh, uh, she's, like... Uh, oh, I love this dress. I'd love to get it and wear it to the dance, but I don't have enough money for it. And the lady's like, just go ahead and take it. I'll just take something that you take for granted. You don't. You won't even realize it's gone. <laughs> and she's like, well, all right. So she takes the dress, and then, like, her sweet nature turns into, like, she starts becoming, like, really mean, like, to her friends and everything. Yeah. And But she gets the boy at school to go out with her, and she starts becoming more popular. She keeps going back to this thing. But every time she does, like, she gets a little more mean. Yeah. And the, the shop owner, when she leaves, like, she pulls the veil back and she's all disfigured and everything. But then the more she goes back, the prettier the mm. shopkeeper gets and, like, the more disfigured the girl gets. Wow. And I was like, the whole time I was watching the movie, I was like, this is uh, very similar <laughs> to that storyline from yeah. that episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? But, I mean, I don't think that they were copying it or anything yeah it's kind of like great minds thinking alike type situation probably yeah but uh i was like oh that's kind of similar to that yeah but then you know then it takes that turn (laughs) at the end where you're like yeah this is nothing like that episode well i mean (laughs) it is it becomes like the last act a little bit becomes body horror right like it becomes it becomes a thing about where it makes you like you i was reacting a lot to like you know these physical changes she was going through it was very like hard to watch and you cringe and you know there's teeth falling out there's you know like everything we fear essentially she goes through right yeah to the point where she literally calls the studio right like crying saying i I think i'm dying and you guys need to help me or you need to come here or whatever like she's on the floor just convulsing style and I think the studio, the the head of the studio basically says, did you really think it was going to be this easy? Did you think mm-hmm. you would just, you know, come in here and give me a blowjob mm-hmm. and suddenly you would be the biggest star in the world? No, there's <laughs> sacrifice involved here. And yeah. you, you get the idea for, for a while. I was thinking, well, damn, they just screwed with her. Like they just yeah. like stole, like stole her soul or, you know, stole her youth and they're going to use it for something else. But then it goes even further with it. I mean, it yeah. becomes like yeah. a whole nother story almost. Um, yeah, the producer tells her you can either die or you can accept what's happening. So obviously, that kind of gives us a heads up that she's going through all this, but it's going to 
pay off for her in some way, but you have you really don't know how that's possible yeah. because it just keeps getting worse. And why? So slowing down just a little bit, you know, she's going through all these physical transformations and she becomes more and more inhuman and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, she starts to systematically kill everyone in her life, right? Yeah. Why? Why? Why is that a thing? Why does she have to kill people? To, for this transformation to happen, do you think? I personally think if this production company is like a cult and they're worshipping this thing, that mm. means that all of their focus, all of their life is about this thing. It's almost kind of like you have to remove anything else that you might have an attachment to. Because your focus has to be on what we're focused on, and that's this God that we're worshipping. Mm. So, I think that's why. It was more just a sacrifice... It's a hundred percent sacrifice. It's a sacrifice of yourself and a sacrifice of everything you hold dear to you and your attachments. Mm-hmm. So I think that's yeah. why. Because I mean, obviously, her friends could kind of. You, you may, maybe it's also we don't want anyone knowing what's going on. Anyone that's come into contact you, with you while this has been happening, you have to. Yeah. Anyone maybe. that could potentially get in our way, you have to. You well, know. because it, it and there's kind of a process of like she starts out with the mean girl. So at first I thought, oh, she's just, like, taking it out on people. Like, I didn't really, you know, at first when she just kills, like, the lady that's been really mean to her the whole movie, I think, Mm -hmm. well, okay, well, she kind of, not exactly asked for it, but, I mean, I understand why she did it. But then she slowly kills the people that are nice to her, too, and the people that are supportive. So it's kind of like what Kia's saying, I guess. Mm -hmm. It's a a form of sacrifice. Maybe she wasn't even conscious of, you know. Yeah. mm -hmm. And one particular gruesome scene that I turned away from where she used a, a dumbbell, and just got on top oh, of this yeah. girl while she was sleeping and just repeatedly bashed her in the head. Yeah. And they kept showing the head. It wasn't from her angle, mm-hmm. from Sarah's angle. They showed the girl's head every time it got bashed. I had to turn away because that was just, that was pretty, that's hard to watch. Yeah, is that worth noting? I mean, like, the special effects and gore in this, is it pretty, you know, edgy yeah. or? Um, I get, I, I'm pretty impressed by, like, how well it was done. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I don't think it, this was, like, a really big budget movie. I know it's, like, an independent film and. Yeah. Uh, so it's it was pretty impressive because I mean it was really believable. Yes, like her transformation really... <laughs> was like intense. And, and then the, the the death scene where she kills uh, the mean girl in the kitchen. Like if you remember, she does a thing where she like slices its face, right. and, and, and it, the blood just comes yeah. Out and and it's kind of yeah. like the realization of like the act the actress you know that's dying or yeah. that's been stabbed. Like she like you could see it. Like it's really well acted where yeah. she's just like oh yeah. shit. Like the, you know this is point of no return type stuff. Yeah. Like I am like does she do both sides? Or I think is it just one side? I've forgotten to be yeah. honest with you. It's really graphic though, yeah. and it takes a yeah. while. It's not like an instantaneous thing. It's like you know. Yeah, yeah, you can yeah. see the girl kind of realize, like, oh, shit, she's really trying to kill me. Yeah, like, I'm going to die here. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's really, like, really effective. I mean, yeah. all the death scenes, I think, were really effective in this. Mm-hmm. I think it's worth noting. Like, every time I felt it a little yeah. bit, it was really well done. I mean, it just kind of comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then she kills, like, all of her friends in, like, a matter of about ten minutes. Yeah, <laughs> just... yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, after she's killed everybody, she goes to the, the one dude who was like, I'll put you in my movie. Mm-hmm. He... Like, he's the last one, and, like, you think that... It almost sounds... Because he's, like, kind of... He's like, hey, is everything okay? Just let me right. know. You know, and then she turns on him. Yeah, because she's, like, sitting outside his trailer or whatever, and he's like, yeah. Sarah? Yeah. And she goes... And I think he might sit next to her. I don't know. He just yeah. goes over to her, and all of a sudden, she just, like... Yeah. Stabs him. I think stabs him. But, um... Yeah. Yeah. Is she she ends up... The very last person, I think, is the nice roommate, though, right? But that's after... Like, that's after the transformation, right. though, right? So we want right, to yeah. talk about the transformation real quick, yeah. like the official how... Uh, 
because um, they bury her, correct? Doesn't mm-hmm. she essentially die and the cultists bury her? Yeah, I forgot how... Did I don't know if we see her die. I think we see them like in the woods. I don't know if they're in the Hollywood Hills or something doing their ceremony. Yeah. yeah. And then we see her hand. She might be in the Hollywood Hills because she's kind of overlooking the city, I think, mm. when she comes out of the dirt. So I don't even know if yeah. we actually see her die, but we see her come out of the dirt. Yeah. yeah. And she comes out and she's naked and she's bald and she yeah. looks completely youthful and healed but she's bald she's yeah bald. other than being hairless she's, she's bald yeah <laughs> other than being hairless oh right <laughs> George has an issue with it uh, but yeah even though she's hairless she's otherwise flawless right mm-hmm. she yeah. looks she looks amazing otherwise right yeah. Um, yeah and it becomes apparent that it was a transformation it was almost like a pupil stage type right. of situation mm-hmm. where she's transforming into something else yeah. you know exactly. she wasn't dying so or maybe she did die in a way and then came back as this you know yeah. other thing right yeah, um, yeah. And I don't know if she's like, I don't know what that means. I don't, I don't know if they explain it. We don't, I don't know if she's now immortal or if she's just the perfect star and everything's going to go out right. and work for her. I'm not really sure. Yeah, and I think they're deliberately unclear about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? That they, they don't spell out everything to yeah. us. But, and, and it, it, who knows, man? Maybe they're, try, they're, they're you know, painting this mythology that like everyone in Hollywood has to go through this shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like maybe every yeah. Hollywood star walking around has gone through this it's process. In this cult, yeah, man. yeah, yeah. Who knows? I mean, like I, the real elite ones, right. you know. So that would be interesting. Yeah. But uh I think like I you know, this might be what you were trying to say too, is that I think it might be like a whole uh like the whole movie might just be like a metaphor for certain people in Hollywood that like basically sell their souls and become yeah, rich and famous, and they they turn on their friends and stuff once they reach a certain level. And yeah, yeah, I guess but, so. Yeah, uh, I, mean, I guess they don't murder them, but <laughs> <laughs> but it's I mean, for all purposes, they're dead to them right. from yeah. there on out. You know what I mean? They never really revisit those people. Yeah. Um, At the end, when she goes back, when she's bald and she goes back home, and she lays in the bed with her best friend. Yeah, I'm trying to remember how she kills her. Doesn't she just like kiss her or do, do something? She like kisses her and like oh, yeah. she like suck the life out of the other person yeah it's something very, along those lines yeah it's definitely a supernatural type she doesn't like yeah. kill her like everyone else where she yeah. uses a weapon i think she just kind of kisses her and the and just takes the youth or the soul the life out of the yeah you're right it is something kind of yeah, it's really like i don't remember it was, yeah <laughs> it's been almost a month now yeah it's been a while since we watched it so maybe it is like at some point she does have some powers or right she is definitely some that. sort of supernatural being at this point yeah. she's yeah. not like a standard issue human anymore for sure so um and she gets a present from the production company where it's like a wig and a dress that she had and she had early in the movie she had a vision of herself as this beautiful starlet oh yeah and, um, yeah so at the end she gets this present from the production company that's a wig and the dress and right. she puts the mm. wig on she looks just like classic hollywood yeah actress and she looks like the the vision she had yeah. at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. I forgot about that. Nice. I think it's interesting to point out that the the movie that she was auditioning for was called The Silver Scream. Mm. And the picture company was Astraeus Pictures. And Astraeus, if I'm pronouncing that right, is the Greek god of stars. Nice. Oh. And the movie's called Starry Eyes. And the, that's There's right. the connection. <laughs> <laughs> I had um, I looked up some interesting tidbits, some trivia about the movie that I completely got from IMDb. I just picked the ones I thought were the most interesting. And one was that the movie was only shot in 18 days. Hmm. I think that was cool. Um, at one screening, 
an audience member passed out during the climax, which <laughs> might have been the part where she started bludgeoning people to death. Yeah. Right, yeah. And um, they were denied permission to shoot at one bar in L.A. because the script was deemed too evil. Oh, wow. Interesting. In L.A., of all places. Right? All right. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. Those are the only interesting. interesting. I remember also seeing that um, another trivia thing was that one of the... Um, and the cult thing at the end where all the cult members are, like, in the hills. One of the cult members worked on The Exorcist. thought that was kind of cool. Huh. That is cool. Yeah. Um, any other final thoughts before we give our ratings? I think... Um, I'm trying to look it up now, but I... Like, um... One of my friends on Facebook posted that the directors are going to be working on something else that sounded interesting, and I've forgotten. I'm just looking on IMDb, and I... Oh, wait, hang on. Maybe it's Exorcism Diaries, maybe? Hmm. Anyway. Exorcism Diaries. Written by Jay Baruchel. The funny guy? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Sorry, Eyes duo tackling Exorcism Diaries. Pretty cool. But it says Exorcism Diaries 2014. Has it come out yet? Oh. That's it. So, Jeff, what, do you, what would your rating be if you had to... Um, I would give it... Give it a, a school rating here. Let me think. Probably... I don't know. Man, it's hard to rate. Like a B minus? Yeah. Yeah, because... I mean, just for me personally, I probably wouldn't watch it a second time. Yeah. Because... <laughs> I don't know. I'm not really a huge gore person, mm-hmm. uh, but it was but it was really well done and it was like uh, really convincing, which is one of the reasons probably why I wouldn't watch it a second time. Right? Just like, but, yeah. But it was you know it was a well made movie. Yeah, I mean, like I, I'm trying to. I, I I agree with you. I think I would also give it a B minus. Um, because it's definitely a really well-made film and like the acting is really good and the direction's good, mm-hmm. but the story frustrated me in a way that I, it's hard for me to sign off and just go, Hey, you know what I mean? Because right. like the, the beginning, I mean, you, if you have to slaw through like nearly an hour for it to pay off, I mean, I do think that should be held into a, like that should yeah. be weighed into the, the rating. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. because it's not like once it all started, you know, when it fired, when it was firing on all cylinders, it didn't totally just make up for it for me. You know what I mean? Like, even though I loved the last 30 minutes, I thought it was pretty awesome. I agree with you. I doubt I would ever watch this movie from beginning to end again. You know what I mean? Unless I just, like, someone just desperately wanted to see it again. You know what I mean? But, like, on my own, I would never sit and watch it again, you know? Um, Yeah, it's probably one of those movies, like, if somebody hadn't seen it and they're really into horror movies, I'd be like, well, we can watch this. Right, so, right, I mean, right, Under those circumstances, I'd probably watch it again. Yeah. I mean, and, and like, it should be noted for me anyway that I would totally watch something else directed by these people or, like, yeah. the actors involved and stuff. Like, I, I'll to- like, I would remember that they were in Starry Eyes or involved right. in Starry Eyes. So that says something about it, that there's, like, some genuine, you know, talent here or whatever. So Well, that one guy who was the manager at the... Uh, uh, Taters. Taters, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he was in Innkeepers and some other stuff, but he... I think what I was saying during the movie, like, he was the only character in the movie I could uh, relate to. <laughs> yeah! That's that's worth noting. Ta- the Taters guy, there's a Taters manager that gives, you know, the lead character kind of a hard time about her attitude. And basically he says, listen, I know this job is dorky, but it's still your job. And I still need you to do a good job. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you still need to follow the rules and all that stuff. 
Um, and like it, we noted that that we were yeah. like we're supposed to not like this guy I think yeah. but technically I liked him I kind of sympathized yeah. with him and yeah. felt bad for him that he was like this regular dude yeah. living amongst all these people that were dreamers and thought yeah. they were too good to live in his world kind right. of yeah. like I, I, I related to that a little yeah, bit you know what I mean I felt bad for him you know and it's just kind of hilarious that he I do think you're supposed to not like him and, and feel yeah. bad when he's like harping on her or whatever but really I thought I agreed with most of what he said I mean yeah. to a point yeah. you know so like why would you sign up for a job like that if you're not willing to do the yeah, bare bones yeah. you know you still have a responsibility yeah I mean and then so. she has to like beg for a job back later and everything right but yeah it's yeah he was like the most likable character in the movie to yeah. me personally <laughs> so anyway yeah what's your, what's your rating Kia I think I would give it a B I think I liked it slightly more I, I liked the whole before she went crazy I did like that I thought it was atmospheric and I compared it to like it follows how it was kind of like um I don't know for some reason it had a tone similar to it follows yeah for me mm. um the music I remember being pretty cool maybe that was too. What it was I think that, that I think we music. noted that that it, like the atmosphere through the music yeah, yeah it was similar and I kind of I liked her friends her interactions with her friends how they were her friends but they were kind of catty I liked that yeah. dynamic enemies. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that the, um, I don't know if I, I guess I wouldn't give it higher because I like the story, but I, I don't think they necessarily like went outside the box in the whole Hollywood is evil type thing. I don't yeah. think that like they put not, together a story that was like I didn't see that. Good. I strongly <laughs> agree. I mean, it's not it's it's definitely not the most original idea that you have to sell your soul to make it in Hollywood. I mean, that's definitely yeah. something we've heard since like, what, probably the 1920s yeah. or something like that. I mean, it's a really old school thought, but I mean, we revisit like the most popular stories for a reason, I guess, yeah. you yeah. know? So, eh. but it was good. And it does have a 74% or rotten tomatoes for people like me who think that's really important. <laughs> so, so it seems yeah. like everyone else agreed with this thing. Yeah. <laughs> we, we gave it like, yeah, if we average it out, we're giving it, you know, what, like, D minuses and a B. It's yeah. probably still a B. Yeah. So it's above average. It's not like I guess it's like if you're a big horror fan, you, you should see it. But like yeah. otherwise, it's not a must see type of situation. You, yeah. you can skip it. Otherwise, if you're a casual horror fan, you know. And I'm not a gore person either, but um, I do think in this movie there's like a, I guess a point for the gore that she kind of had to do this to be this star as opposed to just yeah. like hostile it really wasn't gratuitous it was like yeah like and and whenever there was violence you saw the repercussions of violence like it was almost always like oh shit like when someone was getting hurt you felt it a little Mm -hmm. bit so it was really well done in that in that regard yeah Yeah, i think i should say too that uh like with i can deal with gore if it's like over the top silly Mm. but like it was so well done in this movie that just made me cringe yeah yeah, yeah. because it just looks so real yeah i mean the dumbbell scene yeah the uh, like Evil Dead or um, you know the was it uh, Dead Alive slash Brain yeah. Dead like those the, the the levels of gore are so over the top th- that it does become comical like yeah. it, it's a silliness right yeah because yeah, at that point my brain turns off that this is actual gore I just yeah. think like oh this is just mm-hmm. you know food coloring and syrup and it's exactly being silly you know? yeah but with this it actually it's like did they actually kill someone oh my yeah God. They're watching <laughs> a snuffing yeah right. <laughs> I do think it's impressive that it was only filmed in 18 days. I mean, yeah. that's, that's oh, yeah, pretty yeah. That's impressive. tight. That's, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, so. <laughs> serious conditions. Yeah. <laughs> um, knock that out quick. Yeah, do you guys want to... Oh, oh, we got to do our, our ending. So that, that, that was our synopsis slash review slash vivisection yeah. of uh, 
story, guys. I'm Jeff. I'm Kia. And I'm Craig. And, and we, we just reviewed Story Eyes. So we were talking about memories of watching certain yeah. horror movies. Yeah, let's, let's talk about some of our, our earliest memories <laughs> with horror films. Yeah. Kia, would okay. you like to kick us off? Mine, I have, I have two. Mine is um, when Child's Play came out. The very first one came yes. out. How old would you have been? I don't know. When did Child's Play come out? Eighty-seven, I think. So five. I was born in eighty-two. So yeah. five. And um, it came out, and I think my mom dropped me and like my sister and like some of my sister's friends off at the movies or whatever. And we saw Child's Play, and of course, being five, terrified of child's play and we leave and I left my purse in the movie theater and Craig said what would be in your purse I don't know so <laughs> yeah at five years old I didn't think you would, you would have a purse some but... coins lip smackers and a peppermint but it yeah. doesn't matter it was my purse <laughs> yeah. and we were in the lobby and I was like I left my purse and they were like go it go get it will someone come with me no just go get it so they send a five-year-old child back into the movie theater by herself the lights aren't even 100% up yet in child's play, yeah. to find a purse under a seat, which is the perfect height for Chucky. Yeah, Chuck, mean, Chucky can really be hiding terrifying. in a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember that stood out to me. That was pretty terrifying. Um, <laughs> another one... Actually... Okay, I have two more. Another one, real quick. My very first and only what I would consider nightmare, where the quintessential nightmare where you're in bed and you sit up and you're like, oh, was... Um, <laughs> we, had, oh, we went to the movies to see... Um, not Dream Warriors, but the fourth one in Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, the one where she turns into a roach. And yeah. um, it's like the last one from the 80s. We went to see that in the movies. And I think that was the, the movie where the girl, um, her boyfriend, is in a motorcycle. I think it's a dream child. Dream child, dream right. child, you're right. Yeah. And he gets into a car accident. And um, our motorcycle accident while he's riding his motorcycle. And my dream was that I was riding a motorcycle with Freddy Krueger. And he, like, killed me. And when he killed me... That's when I set up, and I was like, oh, the f- that's the only time that has ever happened to me. So, were you riding, like, was Freddy Krueger dr- ride- driving was- a motorcycle, and you were, like, behind him? I like, so. oh, Freddy, like, like, <laughs> like... I think so. Really? Yeah. And then you just, like, wrecked? I don't or? know. I don't think we wrecked. I don't know if he killed me or yeah. what, but so you were just, I like, you dying. were, like, on the back of the motorcycle, and, and the whole he was like, thing ah, about ah, Freddy, you know, if you die in your dreams, you die for real. So, it's kind right. of scary yeah. to die in your dream, but... I think that's kind of common for people our age that our first nightmare is usually Freddy Krueger. A lot of people said yeah. that about him. So and He is kind of the monster of our generation yeah. for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. And my last one, this isn't a horror movie, but I just mentioned it and Craig thought it would be interesting. But um, we were talking about movies you've seen as a child. And one of the movies I saw as a child with my parents, it wasn't horror though, so it was, I guess it doesn't really fit. But anyway. I think it, it uh, often is locked in with horror movies. I guess it is a revenge yeah. movie. Is, um, I Spit on Your Grave. And... Which came out, it's, it came out in 1978, and then it was redone in 2010. So, back in the 80s, we saw the 1978 version. We rented it from, like, Turtles, which was this old 80s... Oh, I forgot about that. Um, ...rental place. And we watched it. I, don't, I guess I didn't realize what it was. I don't know what my parents thought when they saw the words spit and grave. And thought, <laughs> perfect family night movie. Mm-hmm. But, um... It's a, it's a revenge movie. A woman is, like, raped in the woods by these men, and then she goes and she kills all of them. 
perfect movie for a young child. Oh, yeah. And it's been banned in several countries. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it like a serious really, yeah, really revenge yeah. flick. And um, so anyway, I thought that was... Because <laughs> yeah. Jeff had said, I remember seeing um, Ghostbusters for the first time when I was four yeah. with my parents, I think. And I was like, you know what I watched with my parents? <laughs> so <laughs> I Way spit on your grave. <laughs> but anyway, okay. Yeah, I remember like watching... I remember I, I have such a clear memory of my dad bringing home Ghostbusters mm. when I was four. Because mm. I think it, I can't remember. I think wait, maybe I was five. I don't know because um, didn't it come out in the summer of '84? And then I pretty know, sure, anyway, yeah, pretty sure. He brings it home on VHS, and we watched it because I remember my dad's friend was there too, and it was just like hooked immediately. But I was still something. Even though I loved that movie growing up, there was like. I was always afraid of the end of the world. That was like my biggest fear, you know. Wow. And uh, so watching the end of that movie, where like the world's about to end, like maybe that's where the fear came from—that mm. in church. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it used to like freak me out a little bit. But I mean, I'd, I would still watch Ghostbusters over and over again. Mm. But uh, you know, like when the sky starts turning purple and like the scary clouds and that creepy music starts, I'm like, you know, it's magic. Or, you know? <laughs> and then uh. Rick Moranis is all got his hair sticking up, and <laughs> Sigourney Weaver's trying to look sexy and evil at the same time. I remember being watching that, being young, and being really, escape, really afraid of the the monster when they're having like the party. Oh yeah, and the monster comes out, and that really scared me when I was younger. And I watched it again as an adult, and I was like, "Crazy <laughs> like, okay. the things that scared yeah. you yeah. when yeah. you were younger." Yeah. By the way, in 2010, time, um. Named I Spit on Your Grave is one of the top ten ridiculously violent movies nice. of all time. And nice. I saw it that when I was about children. six. Because <laughs> I'm a gangster. Okay. I'm like, I'm tougher than all of you. <laughs> <laughs> um, see, I, I think because uh, I always liked monsters growing up and everything. And, and King Kong is my gateway for yeah. sure. I, I The 76 King Kong, you know, with Jeff Bridges and uh, Jessica Lang Is she the... yeah, um, yeah. Um, that was kind of my gateway, and I loved King Kong. So, like, I rediscovered or I discovered the 1933 version, and uh, that kind of led to like Godzilla and monsters, and then Universal monsters. Like, I, I was watching all that stuff before I was in grade school. You know what I mean? But um, so because of that, I think my family, like extended family, thought that I loved all horror movies and stuff, and there was no filter for me. So, like, sometimes I would be exposed to movies that were, like, probably way too advanced for a little kid. Yeah. Um, but I remember really distinctly, uh, my sister watched The Exorcist and uh, forced me to watch it with her, even though I was I was actively scared. She made me... Because if you watch The Exorcist as an adult, it's a disturbing movie in general. Yeah. It's about mortality, and, you know, there's lots of issues going on in it. Um, but for a little kid, um, it's 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 a cross between boring and terrifying. Like there's like yeah. those switches where it's uh, like, wait, what's going? Something going to happen in this movie? Like you you feel that way, and then suddenly yeah. something does happen. You're like, oh, no, why did this? No. <laughs> um, and I was I was four when I saw that. I remember really wow. distinctly because I remember being uh, in bed with my sister. Like we were like in in bed, you know, and she was like watching it. And basically, like I remember being too scared to get out of the bed to like get out of the room or whatever. If you had like, tried I was to get out, she'd been like, "No." Yeah, she would have. At that, at that point, she would have like held me into it. Stay in here. But it was already. <laughs> the thing is, though, is she was um, like she's several years older than me, so she was already ten or eleven by then. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was like kind of pseudo babysitting me, and it was nighttime. 
or whatever, right? Like it wasn't it wasn't like midnight or anything like that, but it was nighttime. My parents were not actively in the house. Right. So like even if I had gotten out of bed and ran or something, I would have been in a dark house mm-hmm. alone, kind of. Like, I would have had no one to, like, <laughs> like Mom, this, this is no better! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I would, I, so, like, I was stuck. It at was least like, there's someone here with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, at least my sister was in bed next to me or whatever. But see, the other thing, if you think about it, most of the main, like, action of The Exorcist, the scariest parts, happened in the girl's bedroom. Yeah. So it's like, I was sitting with a girl roughly the age <laughs> of The Exorcist girl, you know what I mean? Like, sitting next to her, like, in a bed, like, no, no, ha, ha. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like watching That's the movie, terrifying. you know, like unfold while yeah. I was sitting next to my sister who, you know, yeah. could have been Newt or whatever. Like, no, why didn't we watch Not Garfield? Um, yeah, right? Newt. What was her name? That was Aliens is what I'm thinking Newt. of with Newt. But I've forgotten the the uh, the character's name in The Exorcist, which is kind of sad because I think it's pretty iconic. The funny thing is when I was a kid, like, I think, like, the idea of horror movies was so scary to me yeah. that I didn't watch any of them until i got older yeah. like I, I was like reagan. reagan reagan yeah i was like 18 or 19 the first time i saw halloween mm. and that was because i was working at the movie theater and h2o came out right and uh so one day i was at work and i was like oh this you know you've been out for like several weeks and there was nobody in the theater and i was like i'm just gonna stay after work and watch halloween tonight and i watched that i was like oh that's pretty good and uh i was like i wonder if any of the older ones are any good mm-hmm. and so my friend and i uh, this was like 1998 I think mm. uh, it was Halloween night and we both had to work that night and we got off and we were like hey let's just go rent Halloween and take yeah. it to my place and watch it so instead of renting it we just went to Walmart and bought it because you could buy it for like five bucks right and so we bought the VHS and took it to my house and uh Hold up really well, and I was like, "Man, these horror movies are pretty good." Right. Wait, wait. So I, I missed something at the beginning. That was your introduction to horror movies, H two O. Like you no, know, that was my introduction to the Halloween, Halloween franchise. Okay. Yeah, but yeah. you, you, you actively, you weren't like uh, what you would consider like a horror movie fan until that happened, pretty much. Right. Like well, you I mean, were like a late teen before it really kicked in. Yeah. Well, I mean, until you asked me to do this podcast, I didn't really even consider myself a horror movie fan. Yeah. <laughs> really. I mean, I like, I like them, but like, I've never been like. Horror movies are my main thing, you know? Yeah. I like spooky stuff and stuff like that, but uh, this is almost sort of like my education in horror movies. That's, interesting. That's really interesting because Halloween is your favorite cool. holiday, right? I mean, yeah. so I how, was, how do you separate those things, or how do you, like, I mean, there's I like, a... I like, you know, growing up, I like the non-scary stuff about Halloween, like jack-o'-lanterns and just yeah. the fall weather and the cool decorations and yeah. the candy and the dressing up, and I just kind of... It's just carried on through my life, and then, you know, it wasn't until. Well, I mean, I like, I, you know, I've liked horror movies over the past ten, fifteen years, yeah. but it was never really like hardcore into it. Where I was like, tonight we're gonna rent a horror movie, and you know, right? Unless I just heard one was really good, you know. But I loved like Scream was one of those movies where yeah, I was like, wow, like. It's, some of these horror movies are really good. Like, Scream is an excellent movie. Right. I mean, the sequel is not so much, but that first one is awesome. <laughs> I have a question. Yeah. Why do people, or why do you, Kathy Craig, and then me, like scary movies? Because one of our mutual friends, Jonathan, said he doesn't like scary movies, and he said he doesn't understand why you would want to be scared. Yeah. Like, he doesn't understand why you would bring that on yourself. Mm-hmm. And I, and I thought that was interesting because I was like, I don't really know how to explain to you because I, I don't want to be scared walking down the street at night by myself. Yeah. But mm-hmm. 
I kind of want to be scared to watch a scary movie, so that why do y'all like scary movies? That was kind of a point I was about to get to, and I just went off on a tangent, but like, basically when I was a kid, I was afraid to watch horror movies because I didn't want to be scared, and then when I got older, I saw some, and I was like, that was pretty good, and I wasn't really scared. Like, these movies aren't nearly as scary as I had thought they were going to be in my mind. Right. And so I, I watched, like, the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movies. I was like, oh, these aren't scary at all. These are just, they're actually kind of silly. Like, right. a lot of them are anyway. Um, like that scene where, spoiler alert, when Johnny Depp dies in the first one, and it's just right. like that geyser of blood. This is Kool-Aid, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, it's so when did ridiculous. you first see that? How old were you? It was like right after I saw Halloween, so I was like eighteen or nineteen. You see that as a child, though. Yeah, you'd that's be like, crazy. Oh my God. Oh, yeah. I, I saw that, like that. That's my favorite franchise, and Freddy Krueger is my favorite. I met Robert England, and I cried <laughs> like immediately afterwards. <laughs> um, so I like as Nightmare on Elm Street came out, I saw them. Obviously, the first one too young, so I probably saw that at, like a slumber party because at my slumber parties, we always watched <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, um, and then started going to see the movies beginning with Dream Child, but. Um, but I remember in that in that first one how creeped out I was at just the scene where the girl is being dragged through the halls at the school. Oh, yeah. Like, as a kid, I was like, that's scary. Yeah. And when she flies all over the room. Mm-hmm. But as an adult, that isn't scary. But it's amazing what doesn't scare you as an adult, but what will yeah. terrify you as a kid mm-hmm. because you don't... you. You don't know it's well, fake for some reason. Working in, you know, not to be, oh, but like working in education or whatever, they stress a lot that a lot of children, they don't really have um, the the ability to differentiate between fantasy and reality until they're about 10 or 11 years old. Mm-hmm. Like pre that age, like even if someone actively tells you, hey, it's all make-believe and th- those are actors and stuff like that, when they see a movie, it still registers as reality to them. Yeah. Like there's still a piece of them, even if logically they can understand, oh, that's a that's an actor and, you know, whatever. Like they still, a piece of them when they see it, accepts it as a reality and as something that could happen or whatever, yeah. you know. Yeah. So th- there, there's something that kind of, like our brain doesn't quite process it until a certain age that, you know, we can understand those things, you know. So that's probably why, like, you can watch, you know, uh, movies when you're younger and take them as a literal thing and be scared of them yeah. actively, you know, in a way that you just never really have again when you're an adult, you yeah. know. Yeah. I was talking to a friend of mine recently about that, how, like, my nephew, he's he just turned 10. Well, actually, he turns 10 tomorrow. But, uh... <laughs> uh I'll take him to see movies and stuff, or he'll watch it. Like, any movie you, you take him to see, you're like, hey, do you like the movie? He's like, yeah, it's good. Yeah. Like, he yeah, just yeah. likes everything you show him, because he just... And, like, me being 35, like, oh, I'm super critical of every movie I sure. see. I'm like, well, that one part wasn't that believable. Yeah. But I think, like, when you're a kid, you just accept whatever is presented to mm-hmm. you. So any kind of plot holes or anything when you're a kid, you're just... Pff, doesn't matter. You're just like, well, whatever. They said that's what it is, and that's what it is. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like in the second Nightmare on Elm Street when the when they're on the bus and the um, the world falls away and the bus is like balancing on the little peak. Yeah, yeah. As an adult, I'm like, that's obviously fake. But as a kid, I'm like, how are they balancing this? Like, you creep out. It's amazing. Yeah. I kind of miss that. Yeah. Now we are too. We're too. We're too smart. Yeah. We know what's going on. We know it's a green screen or whatever. Like, I used yeah. to think Labyrinth was real. I was like, how did they find this magical place to do it? <laughs> but that's, that's the other thing about being an adult, too, is you watch a movie, like, for me, it's hard for me to, like, fully get in, like, um, just be, like, just believe everything, because, like, I'm just, like, I in my mind, I know, well, these are just actors on a set, and they're these are special effects and things, which, when you're a kid, you're not thinking that. You're just, like, this is really happening. Right, like, right, right. Uh, 
I feel like with the new Jurassic World, I feel like I almost felt like a kid again watching that. And maybe that's because I saw the original as a kid. Mm-hmm. Right. So maybe that kind of brought it back. But I, I remember being at the movie theater and just kind of almost being on the edge of my seat like, oh, and yeah, with, with most movies, you, you're not really like that. You're kind of... But I don't know, maybe... Yeah. And it was only probably just because we were kids when the first one yeah. came out. So it kind of just resonated with us. I think one scary... Well, supposed to be scary movie I saw as a kid was Puppet Master. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it... Like, Like back to your point about your friend saying, like, why would you want to be scared? I don't really know why, but, like, anytime I would get have, like, a sleepover with friends, it would always be like, dude, let's watch a scary movie. Yeah. Like, yeah. you always That's went true. to the video store, and you would pick out some kind of movie you thought was going to be a scary movie. And I remember one night, my friend and I rented Puppet Master. <laughs> yeah. And we just ended up laughing through it, because, like, oh, this is ridiculous, but... right. Uh, You're right, though. There is a ritual with like children and uh, being scared because you think about you know going back to you know uh, sleepovers and slumber parties or whatever. Yeah. Like think of the games you play too. Yeah. Like often are like steeped in like danger and you know being we scared. We played Ouija. Yeah. yeah, it was after Tupac died because one of our questions was is Tupac <laughs> is Tupac in the room and of course the answer was yes. Nice. No wonder why is Tupac at a 13 year old girl's you guys slumber summoned, party well, think of it like if it was a literal thing that means you summoned, I was you summoned him from like heaven or hell to like hang out at your slumber party he's he like son like, of a bitch like, just, like, <laughs> what the hell is yeah, that like I was hanging out with Beethoven or whatever and like he like gets dragged down yeah. to like oh you know like he's just hanging out with other like dead rock stars like <laughs> him and like Kurt Cobain and Jimi Hendrix are having a beer and he's like it's like he appears no, those room. asshole kids. Yeah. It's like there's a bunch of thirteen year old kids in here. <laughs> but that's true. And then like stiff as a feather, or is it? Or is stiff it stiff as, as a feather, light as a board? Yeah, as a or other way around. Yeah, stiff as a board, lies a feather. No, stiff as a feather, light as a board. Because oh. they were lifting. And you're right. Stiff as a board, light as a, that doesn't sound right. Yeah, though. you're right. The way it you definitely said it is sounds. stiff as a feather, light as a board. But I'm just saying as what they said in the craft. At least I'm just saying, like you know, we have these games that are kind of like, or like when I was a kid too, we had uh, the Bell Witch. You would summon yeah. the light Bell as Witch. a feather, stiff as a board. Light as a feather, stiff, stiff as, as a board. board. Yeah. Um, but we, like as kids, we would summon the Bell Witch yeah. by you know we would look in a mirror and do like the Bloody Mary thing where we right. would su- we would be like I hate the Bell Witch or I, you know whatever and you'd say that three times in the mirror supposedly that would bring forth yeah. the Bell Witch to haunt you or attack you. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's kind of weird that that's like a thing that kids do. Yeah, do they, I guess do the they test- still do that though, or is that like just our generation? I would I think, think they're too savvy nowadays. I think though. so. Like the internet's kind of killed that a little I feel like bit. I, yeah, I think a lot of parents too are very like overly protective of their kids nowadays because mm. like excuse me I don't know I just I'm, I'm not a parent and like mm-hmm. but I have friends who are parents and sure. stuff and I always see on Facebook where like and, well whatever I don't know I don't no know go for saying. it we're like you know just they're a little more protective of their kids than we are yeah we, my, our parents were when we were kids you know what? so our parents let us kind of do more stuff than I feel like People our age let their kids do. I feel like we're we're a specific generation that was kind of like a latchkey generation, where yeah. either we're products of single parents or like uh, parents that were working. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was my situation. Where I mean, my parents were gone all the time because they were yeah. working, and yeah. God bless them for it. Like I'm not complaining, but like mm-hmm. I, I was left to do my own damn thing we're the day in day of out. Cable. Yeah, I mean, right. my mom would go to. She was in the house, single mom, yeah. but sleep, and I would be up just watching Cinemax, and right. we all know what Cinemax is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Cinemax, <laughs> <laughs> HBO, real sex or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Come, on, come over to that man, Emmanuel. 
what? Girl in elementary school needs to know about, but your parents are asleep and you have access to cable mm. and yeah. internet and message boards and all yeah. kinds of things that I feel like we were kind of like the first young generation kind to really explosive. have that at our And now, now the people that are our age that are having kids know all that shit, so maybe True. they're kind of protecting their kids yeah. from it in yeah. a way our parents didn't really... No, you know, no. actively know about it in the same way, right? Well, so. it's funny because, like, I that the girl that I broke up with last time we were trying to <laughs> record, yeah, uh, I would tell her stories like, I mean, stories just saying, like, oh, when I was a kid, I was watching this show, and she's like, Your parents let you watch that? And mm. I'm like, Yeah, I mean, it wasn't that bad, uh, right? Because I, I had mentioned this movie, uh, this documentary about uh, Morton Downey Jr., yeah, and uh, but I mean, I know this isn't horror, but like. You know, he was very, like, controversial and stuff at the time. And, uh, I mean, and it, the show didn't interest me personally. It would just come on, like, after reruns of Married with Children or whatever. And uh, so I would catch a few minutes of it and end up t- changing the channel to something I wanted to watch. And she's like, I can't believe your parents will let you watch that. And I was mm. like, well, I mean, they weren't in a room with me. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, I guess the same thing with horror movies, too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what what do you think? Yeah, like why why do you want to be scared? I mean, what's your defense to that? Someone that says like it's what? a safety kind of it's a safe scared though. You know, yeah. you're not in any danger. Right. It's kind of yeah. like when you go on a roller coaster, even though I guess you could be in danger on a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. In a perfect world, obviously, in in like ninety nine percent of the time, you're gonna walk off rock, walk away from that roller coaster perfectly, yeah. totally fine. So it's like a safe. Scare. Like, I don't want to, like I said, be walking through the woods at night by myself because yeah. that's actual potential for danger. But, like, in the safety of my living room on my couch watching right. other people getting um, <laughs> killed you, yeah, and stuff, know, it's okay. You know, Jason Voorhees isn't going to walk in the room. Right. But it, when you're a kid, you think you could. You think he could. <laughs> well, I, mean, so I don't know why I went to watch it when I was younger. Right. But, but yeah, I was the girl that was slumber parties. Okay, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think I, I think with sleepovers, I always wanted to watch yeah. scary movies and stuff. That was that you know it was fun, and, and I think that's that's the distinction that needs to be made. Is like when I watch a scary movie, like I don't want to be disturbed very. I mean, like there's a place for those movies, like if it, to be to upset you and disturb you and stuff like that. Um, but for the most part, I, I enjoy being scared the same way that you enjoy a roller coaster. I think yeah. it's a really good analogy. Like, um, like I don't really like. Um, torture porn you know that that subgenre I, I don't think it's wrong if people enjoy it or whatever i don't right. think it should be banned or anything ridiculous but right. like like you know stuff like a serbian film and uh you know the hostile movies right. and uh, what was that other one human centipede right yeah like those aren't movies that i'm gonna like actively watch and seek out mm-hmm. you know if you like them that's fine but yeah. I, I like to be scared and I like character designs of monsters mm-hmm. and those are the things that appeal to me not really like seeing people suffer or you know yeah. that sort of thing so yeah I, I um, wish that's for some reason there's something I can't really explain like why I like some yeah. of the things that I like like when I was a kid I remember like Beetlejuice was probably the closest thing to a horror movie that I was really <laughs> yeah. into it's fun I yeah. loved that movie as a kid I remember seeing that at the drive-in with my parents when I was like eight years old and then uh, I had my parents rent that movie for me, like, over and over again. Yeah. And they finally just bought it for me. Like, I'm sick of spending money renting this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here, just take it. I think it's good that you mentioned, like, being scared versus being disturbed. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't like being disturbed either. Like, yeah. and I don't like movies like Hostel or, or movies that are just gory for the sake of being gory. Because I don't find that scary. It's just gross. Yeah. yeah. And I think a lot of people, like, a lot of 
you know, um, like we really like the Babadook, but a lot of other people m- might not like it because it's not gory. But to yeah. me, gory isn't well, scary. And some people, I think that when they see a, a horror film, they want there to be a body count as right. well. That's that's something that's important to some people. Yeah. They, they want to see at least six people get killed in a movie. And, you know, if you... Mm-hmm. If you like, I think the old Roger Corman rule, you know, Roger Corman is an independent filmmaker that made a lot of B-horror movies, and, like, so many people got their start with him or whatever. But I think his uh, is either his little rule of thumb when he would tell a filmmaker, like, oh, you're going to make a horror movie for me, it would either be every 10 minutes someone has to die or there has to be boobs. <laughs> one or the other. Every 10 minutes, one of those things has to happen. Right. And I think a lot of people still have that in their ingrained mm-hmm. in their lizard brain. You know, <laughs> They subconsciously want one or the other to happen every 10 minutes. Yeah. And if it doesn't, then they're upset. And that's what happened with the Babadook. It has yeah. neither one of those things. Yeah. There, No one gets killed in that movie. I mean, a, a spoiler, a dog gets killed. <laughs> yeah. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. But like, otherwise, no one gets killed in that movie, and there's no sexuality in that and movie. there's no gore. Yeah, there's no gore whatsoever. So, I mean, I think people you know, that want the traditional things that a, a typical horror movie gives them were upset by that, you know. But like that that to me that's one of the smartest horror movies that came out like in the last like year. The last you know? time we were at the movie they showed a preview for I guess it's called a Green Inferno, the movie that Ellie Roth, I think it's how you do his Eli movie. Eli, Eli Roth. Roth. Yeah. And it looks like it's oh, gonna be yeah. about cannibalism. And right. one of the quotes yeah. from whatever it's like one of the most disturbing movies I'm like, it's easy to be disturbed if we're literally going to be watching people getting eaten by other people. It is not yeah. hard to disturb somebody. Right. You, you can choke a kitten. That's and, disturbing. And that's disturbing. It's that's, not there's scary, no talent involved though. It's in just that. gross. Yeah. It's yeah. just like suffering for suffering's sake. And that's not really... Yeah. To me, that, you know... But, again, if you like disturbing stuff, I understand there's a place for that. And there's probably all yeah. kinds of psychological reasons we need that from time to time, you know, I guess. Yeah. You, know. you know, there's an audience for it. I'm just not the audience yeah. for it personally mm-hmm. but like hmm. but like you said I'm, I'm not judging anybody for for sure stuff, yeah because you know? I, I have um, pretty close friends that love Hostel I mean the, yeah. and, and insist that Hostel is like Hitchcock mm-hmm. levels of suspense and everything um, and I, I don't remember it that way maybe I need to revisit it I, yeah. I don't know but I, I, I thought it was just kind of like you know hurting people it's suspenseful and, waiting for someone to get their finger removed yeah, or something yeah I mean it's just not to me it's not really that complicated of have an equation that, but that remake of The Hills Have Eyes yeah 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 that's I, I watched like the first half of that movie with my mom <laughs> it was so uncomfortable I was yeah. just like ah <laughs> Yeah, so this girl's getting raped. I'm watching this with my mom. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is weird. Well, hey, I spit on your grave, mom and dad. <laughs> and she was gang raped, Have and we, then she had, and then she had her revenge. That reminds Family me. Night. Did we ever talk about on the podcast my Science of the Lamb story? Mm-mm. Did we talk about that? We talked about that on the old podcast old from like eight years ago. Or yeah, before Let, I, they knew I existed. Yeah, uh, I want to I want to retell that story because that's a, that kind of ties into yeah. you know all the points because uh, my dad took me to see Silence of the Lambs uh, when it was in theaters right and uh, <laughs> like I would be probably eleven ish around in there you know as so I was a pretty young kid um, and my dad apparently had been told some either he had been told some stuff about it or like he just anticipated it okay yeah. because if you have seen Silence of the Lambs the the villain of that movie Buffalo Bill is a character that skins women and wears their skin as a suit right he's, he's trying to build his own like woman suit basically uh, fat person right <laughs> big old fat girl yeah but, uh, so and, and, it has, and there's lots of stuff to say about that but anyway like 
uh, my dad, there's a sequence when uh, Buffalo Bill is like dancing in front of a video camera, yeah. and he's he's kind of like you know loving the idea of transforming into a, something else, you know, becoming yeah. a woman. And uh, my dad leaned over, and he was like, "Now." Something really weird is about ready to happen. That's all I got. That's the only psychological like profile I was given before. You know, so like, okay, something weird's happening. You know, and he's dancing, and then you know he stands back and he tucks his penis in between his legs to kind of create like a pseudo vagina look or whatever, mm-hmm. right? So that was kind of strange, right? Like that was you know for a young person that has no context of any of that stuff, that was weird. But that was also awkward. That it was my dad that I'm sitting directly next to you right. during that sequence. Oh. Yeah, at that age. Um, was weird, but yeah. also there, there, there is. <laughs> my dad loves to predict movies. Like he loves to like you know he can't stand it if you watch a movie, even if it's the first time you watched it, yeah. he will try to say how it's going to end yeah. or what's going to happen. He's one of those people. And uh, there's a sequence where Hannibal Lecter escapes from prison, right? And he does it by cutting off the face mm-hmm. of uh, one of the prison guards and wearing it, and they think that he's a prison guard, and like they escort him out of the, you know, and as a 11 year old kid I had no clue like I was like wow what's happening you know everything's unfolding in front of me yeah. and my dad leans over and he's like that boy right there that's Hannibal Lecter that's Hannibal Lecter right there he's wearing the face like he, he gave me the whole thing so like I didn't get to like at 11 that would have been a huge you know when Hannibal Lecter pulls off the, the skin and it reveals that it's him that would have blown my mind as an 11 year old I'd be like whoa like that would have been so cool but my dad distilled everything he was like that's gonna be Hannibal Lecter that's him so it, when it happened I was like okay thanks dad yeah, yeah like um, anyway that's, yeah, that's the whole story I, like that's that's a funny story, but like when people like that sit behind me at a movie theater, it drives me nuts when they're just it. like, uh, "Oh, that that guy's the one who he's the one who killed her." I'm yeah, just, I mean, all right, we were probably all thinking that, but you right. have to say it. There's an know. art to like the whole suspension of disbelief. I think extends to that. Mm-hmm. Like you're supposed to actively turn off your brain to a, not turn off your brain, but you're supposed to have like a level of acceptance where you will let a story unfold in front of you, and you don't actively try to predict everything to a point where you're like ruining the movie you know what I mean like you you let it happen in front of you you don't need like commentary yeah yeah I mean uh, I feel like that happens to a lot of movies though yeah. I mean when we saw Straight Outta Compton remember there was a couple behind us a couple us. behind us that kept saying oh yeah Dre yeah. Yeah. and they kept talking the whole time they were, like they knew the story so well that they were excited I guess to see it unfold so yeah. every time they're like oh that's Tupac you know what I mean like they yeah. would like say stuff and we were like oh, yeah we know uh, yeah, like, it's literally the entire time yeah, yeah. Like, oh I bet like, that's Snoop we're, you we're know? in the know we're, we're huge into yeah. fans so we know everything <laughs> yeah yeah it was make, like, make sure everyone around us knows <laughs> we know what's going on yeah yeah, yeah.